0: You're listening to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphianvideo.org for Christadelphians and all those seeking the truth about the Bible message. Join us now as we present our latest episode.
1: In this YouTube video, we're going to look at this question, was the Bible forged? And to examine this, I'd like to take it in three separate stages. Firstly, we're going to look briefly at why would you suggest this and exactly what is suggested. Secondly, we're going to just examine some of the evidence. Clearly, we can't examine too much in a short video like this, but I'll present some of it at least. And then we'll actually return to the question why suggested at the end. So if you're interested in that question, you may want to skip to the end first and have a look at that and then come back and watch the bulk of the video later. Why suggested? Why doubt? How many other ancient texts do you doubt, and how much time and effort would you put into trying to work out whether they were forged or not? Pythagoras' theorem. Greek works, works or Latin works, written by, for example, Horace or Homer or Seneca or Pliny, Do you doubt those? Why the Bible? Why doubt this one? And we would be very interested to hear your comments on that, so if you want to write anything below to help us uh, understand why people actually do doubt it, uh, that would be interesting for us to know, so please do leave those. Uh, what is actually suggested here? Well, firstly, it suggested that books in the New Testament were not written by the people whose names appear on them. Uh, this is a charge which is specifically levelled at uh, the person Paul, who is um, named in 13 of the letters, and it's suggested that some, many, maybe even all of them are not written by Paul. Uh, it's also suggested the Gospels are anonymous, they're a much later product, they come from oral tradition and people basically wrote this stuff down much later and they weren't even um, remotely written by the people who claimed to have written them. We're going to look at the Uh, question of date first we'll come back to the question of whether Paul's letters were written by him a bit later so we'll start off by looking at date and I'm going to share with you now a um, picture of a papyrus which was discovered only about 100 years ago uh, in Egypt which is where the papyrus is thought to be from the papyrus has written on it part of the gospel of John and it's been confidently dated to the first part of the 2nd century AD, so I've put on the screen here what that might look like, AD 125, so that's roughly when this is from. And for this to have got and been written down and been found in Egypt, it must have been written much earlier. So this is very strong evidence that the Gospel of John was indeed written down early in, or sorry, in the 1st century AD Let's have a look at something about Luke and you may want to pause the video here and examine some of these for yourself so if you do that I'll just give you a few seconds now But for those who want to hear a little bit more about this, the writings of Luke are peppered with historical information So his gospel and also the Acts, which is believed, was written by Luke as well, although nowhere is that actually claimed. He lists various things that can be checked and one of the things he does is he includes the titles of various people. And I'll just look at a couple of these examples now to show just how accurate Luke was. So in Acts chapter 13 and verse 7, he mentions the fact that there was a proconsul in Cyprus. we know that Cyprus was indeed an imperial province, uh, sorry, an imperial province, until 22 BC, and then became a senatorial province from uh, that point. So there was only a certain point at which this title would have been appropriate. And the second one is even more compelling because, in Acts chapter eighteen and verse twelve, he mentions that Achaia had a proconsul, and this was only a senatorial province from 27 BC to AD 15, and then again from AD 44. So to accurately get these titles right when writing about historical events, you need to know very specifically what was going on at a very specific place at a very specific time, something which would be virtually impossible to do consistently without being there and having known exactly what was happening. And I'd like to refer next to the actually the the, the fourth one down, which is Acts chapter 17, where Luke writes about polytarchs, and for many, many years, this was thought to be an error on Luke's far part because Polyarchs were known, but Polytarchs were not known, and people thought he got it wrong. It was only much more recently that um, it turned out that Luke was actually accurate, and biblical, historical scholars, archaeologists got it wrong because they just didn't know that this was actually true. So rather than being a forge record, it actually has corrected our, our understanding of those times and places. Other examples, just that you might find interesting, letters that were written in the early first millennium had a certain format. Now, when I was growing up, we learned how to conclude letters. We learned when to use yours sincerely, when to use yours faithfully, when to use yours ever, when to use yours truly, when to use your obedient servant. And it was connected to how you started a letter and who you were writing to. I suspect today most people have no idea when these things would or should be used. When you're writing emails, people use entirely different forms of address at the start of a letter, and they end the email in very different ways too. And it would be very difficult for people writing today to begin to work out how letters were addressed 50 years ago if they were trying to forge them. And indeed, it's the same with letters of the old, sorry, the New Testament time. So at that particular point in time, we now know that they started off with a from, then they had a to, then there was a thanksgiving and a prayer then there was the body of the text, or the special subject of communication, then there were greetings to friends and requests, and then a closing prayer. And I've just put that information down for just one of the letters. I mean, you can check all of them. They're all written in this style. There's a from, a to, there's a thanksgiving and a prayer, there's the body of the letter, there is the greeting to friends and requests at the end of the letter, and then there's a closing prayer. And again, you may want to just pause the video here and have a look at this in some detail.
0: So these are just three examples of how we know that certain
1: elements of the Bible, certain elements of the New Testament, were written when they claimed to have been written. Let's move on to the second question, though, which is this challenge of were they written by the person who claims to have written it? Now this is actually a really difficult thing to try to prove either way, because Firstly, documents are routinely not physically written by the person who originated it or the person who authorises it, a contract, a treaty, a will, a printed book, a covenant, all sorts of things are not actually physically written by that person. And <clears throat> excuse me, when someone says something that they don't record, so when they're speaking out loud now, uh, they don't write it down, that's always done by somebody else. And of course, people can copy from that or quote from that, but that doesn't make the copy an inaccurate or forged record. It doesn't mean to say that the person originally said the things didn't say those things, just because they didn't physically put pen to paper. Not only that, there's another thing which is actually worth thinking about, which is, who is the author? And the Bible is quite clear that the author is actually God. It tells us so, for example, in 1 Timothy, the letter, first letter to Timothy, chapter three, and verse 16, where it says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. So. Ultimately, the person who wrote it is God. So whilst others may have put the pen to paper, we're then going to have to try to work out how we can disprove that God wrote it. And that's, again, a very different question. I'm not going to cover it in this uh, video at all because it's actually been covered in other talks, and we'll try to put links to those in the uh, comment section below so that you can follow up on our other videos dealing with that topic. Here we're concentrating purely on the question of, did the person named in the letter actually write it, even if they did write it on God's behalf? and That's difficult to do, but we can look for things like, is it consistent with other documents that were produced by that author? Uh, Is the consistency of time and place in what they're talking about? We can look at trying to date originals that we have, we can try to look at language use, we can try to look at legal other frameworks as referred to. We can try to look at terminology and things like that. And the simple reality is that these letters stack up against the time and the author that their claims have been written by. So when more than one biblical book is written by the same author, there is multiple uh, books, for example, in the name of John, there are multiple books, for example, in the name of Paul, the style and the layout, the structure of the book, the writing, the way they're written, is consistent with the fact that they're all written by the same person. The letters of Paul fit very well within the framework of the Acts of the Apostles, which is written by Luke and which, as we've already seen, has a lot of historical information in it. And they fit into the picture of, um, and they fit into this picture of ideas and information that is provided by all the different letters when you look at them together. So, extremely consistent, all the letters of Paul look like they were written by him. Not only that, the books show undesigned coincidences, things that would be virtually, again, impossible for someone to try to invent later on. A great example of this is that in the Gospels, we we learn by chance that Peter was married. The Gospel um, written by Matthew, for example. In the letter of Paul, again, nothing to do with really what the main body of the argument is building up is. But in Paul's letter to the Corinthians, we also pick up on the fact that Peter was married. Things like that would have been virtually impossible to have invented later without knowing uh, poor Peter in person and without knowing the details of his life. It's quite common that people who are writing um, n- novels make errors of this mistake, uh, sorry, errors of this type, or they don't just put this information in because it's so difficult to be consistent where the Bible in- includes this and is always consistent. Not only that, the uh, very earliest commentators that we have from the second century AD onwards. So these are people that are writing within 50 years of the books actually having been written themselves. All of these people are unanimous as to who wrote each document. And that isn't just people inside the mainstream church, it's people from all over the Roman empire. And that would be highly unlikely if the names and writers were invented. And as we have seen, they were written at the time so that the authors would still be alive. So that the idea of other people forging these at that time and the people still being alive and not objecting or not complaining about that, again, is is not really very credible. So in summary, the evidence is overwhelming that the 27 books of the New Testament were both written at an early date and where a writer is claimed that they were written by the claimed writer, the same cannot really be said by other writings from this turn, from this time. So, Christian writings such as the Gnostic Gospels were written much later than the New Testament Gospels and show problems of history and consistency. And the contrast, therefore, between these uh, apocryphal um, New Testament and the New Testament is very marked. Gives us uh, actually encouragement that the New Testament writings are indeed accurate and truthfully written by the people who say they were at that time. So why challenge? Why suggest the Bible is a forgery? Well, at some level, people who do that are attaching importance to what it says. It clearly, in their minds, isn't just a standard text that you can read and ignore. It's something which they feel people attach importance to. If you're an atheist, just don't read it. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Why bother? But there's obviously something more to this than that, which is why I'm interested to know about people's comments about it. And it's often... um, This is done because people were previously Christian, and they're obviously struggling to come to terms with that, and they don't seem to be able to move on, which, again, if people lose faith, that's not a particular problem, is it? Why can't you move on? Um, Why don't you just leave it behind? And they'll be left with... (laughs) Things like, well, it's presumably because it may help their academic career or it it makes a name for them or, uh, you know, makes them somebody or because it helps them sell books. So the reality is, as we've seen, the Bible is not forged. It's amazing that anybody can really suggest that. So I don't know what else to say other than have a look at it for yourself, examine it carefully and draw your own conclusions of which hopefully this will be the start of that journey for you. Thanks for listening.
0: Thank you for joining us. We hope you found the episode helpful. Don't forget, most of these episodes are also available as videos on our video channel, cdvideo.org. So head over and take a look. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions, please get in touch or leave us a voice message. We love to hear your feedback. You can email us at btf at